Welcome to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell, where each week you hear from safety industry experts and leaders discussing safety culture, team development, and the future of the safety industry. If you are looking for help with your safety program or have questions, head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, if you're new here, my name is Seth Silvers, and today I'm going to be acting as moderator. Uh, usually I'm the one kind of behind the camera doing the editing, but today I'm going to be moderating. Um, and this is really special because we have both Tom Carson, uh, CEO of Sospis, and Apollonia Rockwell, CEO of True Safety Services, here on the podcast to talk about a really important partnership in the safety industry. And so this is going to be a fun conversation where we get to hear from both sides of this new partnership and really talk about what's happening in safety right now and why is it important that we are collaborating together um, to solve problems. So uh, first off, uh, Tom, I want to start with you. Uh, tell me a little bit about why you're excited about you know this collaboration with True Safety Services um, from the perspective of Sospis and your experience. Absolutely. Thank you, Seth. And it's Epiloni. It's great to see you again after uh, a little over a month here. Yes. Sospis is always looking for ways to create leverage in the industry. And one of the nice one of the things about Sospis is we, we uh, are largely focused on building a, a very powerful software product that can create a lot of value for companies and the safety professionals that use it. But the trick becomes how do you find how do you find trusted relationships to be the linkage between who we are and who our customers are? And over the years I've I've discovered that one of the best ways to do that is rather we can certainly build trusted relationships. We've been doing that for six years. But you can build those relationships a lot faster if you find if you find well-respected consultants, uh, and in our case, safety professionals who have already have those relationships built. It becomes it becomes leverage for us. It becomes a faster way to go to the market. And frankly, we learn from each other. Apollonia has has direct contact with many many companies in Colorado. And and she knows what they're thinking. She knows what they're looking for. Um, and together, we can help. We can help form our product, and we can also help form the way that we uh, provide services that um, help the safety professional and their companies. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of going to you. Why? Why makes you excited about this collaboration? Um, and also, could you kind of like flesh out, you know, what this collaboration kind of looks like between the two companies? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Well, two big things come to mind when talking about why I'm so excited about this partnership. But number one, Tom's exactly right, is that we are we're actually looking and targeting the same company in a sense that we're looking for companies that believe in safety, first and foremost. We're not both looking for companies. Our dream clients aren't people 
that are uh, their hands being their arms being twisted into into safety. We're both both of our dream clients really believe in safety. They want an actual safety culture in their organization, and since they believe in that, then it's a dream client because it's a great working relationship. Both Tom and I agree that that is our ideal client, and that's who we work best with. And then the second piece to it is that um, even though we're after the same client, we serve them in two completely different ways. And so Tom is the expert and his team are the experts in software. And that's a whole nother world. We are a consulting and training company. And so, um, you know, in order to not just build a software, but in order to continue to build the software and the bugs and to, and to keep working at it, I mean, that's a whole, again, that's a whole nother area of expertise that Tom's team has. So we're after the same dream client that they believe in a safety culture. They believe in um, safety from the top up, down. And also we serve them in two different ways. And then the other biggest piece is that we are both very practical about safety. And that's my favorite thing about Sospis is that, yes, do they have an amazing software? Absolutely. But we both believe in the philosophy of being practical when it comes to safety. And their software is extremely user-friendly. It's practical on how we use it out in the field. It's very it's just a software could be great but if it's not if it's not user friendly if it's not practical then the guys and girls in the field aren't going to use it and same thing with the training is that we could have amazing instructors with all these degrees and if we just read off of a powerpoint then that wouldn't be the most effective training but what's practical is by having groups and by doing um, exercises in the classroom and getting getting everyone involved and engaging um having engaging uh, content and getting everyone to participate. So we just believe in the practicality of safety too. And our partnership is simply just that, is that they're, they're the software experts. We're the consulting piece expert and, um, and the training piece too. So we work beautifully together. So we're super excited. Yeah, that's great. Anything you want to add there, Tom? No, but I would, I, I think Apple is exactly right. It's, it's understanding kind of where your lanes are and what you're good at. And with the possible exception of Jeff Bezos at Amazon, all the rest of us depend on each mm -hmm. other to, to do different parts of what we deliver, how we deliver value. Right. Yeah, I think in today's world, it seems really common to kind of have more of a dog eat dog mentality or, you know, a we're going to build the biggest tower in town by tearing the others down or, you know, by doing everything on our own, as opposed to, you know, working together to solve problems and being, you know, kind of saying, Hey, here's the, here's the piece of the pie that we're going to do. And we're going to work together with people to be able to provide the other services. Um, Tom, why do you think it's important to see things differently than that kind of like dog eat dog, more competitive landscape mindset? Well, I think, I think the practical reality is everybody, nobody has unlimited resources mm -hmm. and nobody has unlimited knowledge of, of different disciplines. Um, we do, we build better software than nearly any company in the safety space. And we just believe, we believe that because it's because of the backgrounds that all of us come from. And it, it's very grounded in pragmatic delivery and creating a path that people can use to follow. 
if we divert resources from that mission, then we're not doing the things that we know how to do really well. And, and then we become substandard in, in everything we do. Um, when we had an opportunity to partner with Apollonia, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a huge recognition of Apollonia's skills in delivering her training and consulting services that she was just recognized as a, by Forbes magazine as a, you know, top 30 under 30. And that's, that's remarkable uh, recognition. And it just, it's one of the many reasons that we're uh, validated and proud to be a partner of True Safety Services. Mm. Apollonia, I'd love to hear your perspective on kind of the importance of this like collaboration mindset as opposed to, you know, like I've known you for a couple of years at True Safety. You haven't just tried to say, okay, we're True Safety. We're going to, we're going to do everything. We're going to do all the safety stuff. Like help me understand why that's been an important mindset for you to have. Yeah, well, I agree with Tom is that one, I, we don't want to be the, the subject matter experts in, in everything and all of things. And I think that if we, if we went after that, if we went off and built a software, that it's, it's, it'll be mediocre. It's not who, it's, it's just not our area of expertise and there's not and there is no need to have this scarcity mindset and going back to um both of us both tom and i having the same dream client is that we're able to both service them fully turnkey and that's really really exciting to me is that we're able to help them on the training side get their new hire training going their monthly ongoing annual training and consulting piece but we have never been able to fully serve a customer because I am a strong believer, always have been in safety software. And so there was always this missing piece. And what better way than to collaborate with the best, the best mm-hmm. of the best. And so there is just, I just don't have a scarcity mindset. I believe there's enough for all to go around. Right. So yeah, that's absolutely. Where I'm at. So I know, uh, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic has changed a lot of industries. Um, I'm curious from both of your perspective to kind of zoom out and see what are some of the things that you've seen shift in the safety industry over the last 18 months as a result of the pandemic that might actually be beneficial in the long run? Because I think in a lot of industries, there's been challenges, but usually when there's challenges, people you know, people are resilient and we rise up and we innovate in new ways. So, um, you know, Tom, will maybe go to you first, but what are some things that you've seen change in the safety industry because of the pandemic that might actually be a good thing in the long run? One of the big, one of the big things that we saw happen is when, as uh, in early 2020, when companies started realizing this was something they were going to have to react to in a, in a positive way that, there seemed to be a, a tendency for the senior management to go to the safety teams to ask for their guidance and how do you manage this as a workplace hazard. And it was it was collaborative. I mean, there, the HR departments were involved and so forth. But but it seemed like in many companies the the safety the safety person had an opportunity to actually step in and and be working collaboratively on a new problem with a lot of the management. And I, I, I have a sense that that did a couple of things. One, 
for those who were able to step up and be a constructive part of the solution, it, it probably raised their stature in the eyes of the rest of the company. The second thing that happened was that it was it was clear there were a lot of opportunities to apply technology to address these issues, which which I my sense is based on a lot of calls we've had in the last year. Um, my sense is that that raise the awareness of, gee, maybe we ought to consider this as an ongoing part of our environment. Uh, so for, I mean, the obvious, the obvious piece was products like Zoom and Microsoft Teams were, that allowed us to do meetings sort of like this one. Uh, but, but you could extend that. There were a lot of opportunities to embed. One of the things that we, uh, we openly pioneered early was the ability to do virtual inspections. And if you had Apple products, then you could use you could FaceTime with your phone or your tablets on on site and be guided by the safety professional. And what it did was it eliminated the need for a lot of people to be uh, right together at a time where we re weren't really sure where COVID was going. But it's just one op it's one example of many that allowed technology to overcome some of the distancing. Uh, and yet still maintain uh, work responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Apollonia, what, what were some things you saw? The big thing was training for us. We, had, we still had clients that were firm believers in everything in person, no online OSHA classes, not because of the fact, I mean, when I first experienced online safety training, it was terrible. And I, I thought to myself, I will never, I will never send a company through online training because this makes me want to gouge my eyes out because this is so boring and I'm not paying attention. So it wasn't even that piece. It was just afraid of technology. And I love what Tom said. I mean, just Zoom. So, I mean, just Zoom and, and video conferencing. I feel like that was almost the first step for some clients that were so anti-technology that just by that little step, by the end of the COVID, I mean, we're still going through it, but by the end of, let's I mean, even in the beginning of this year, I saw a lot of companies start to take some steps and say, all right, not only we're going to consider software in the training space, but we're going to consider software, project management software, safety management software. It was a, it was a door and maybe a baby step. It was a door open and a baby step to say, all right, what is this technology thing about and how can we connect better using um, the other other things that are not just all right in person safety meetings in person paper this so right. yeah well even like with you know PEC and yeah, the safe land class which is a very common class you know they would they never wanted to do online but then you know the pandemic shut in person classes down and so you know they were forced really quickly to offer yeah. online classes um, and then I know, you know, true safety jumped on that. And now you guys have become one of the top, you know, online providers mm -hmm. of safe land in the country. Um, and that was interesting because, you know, you were beforehand, you were able to train people in Greeley, um, in Denver and, you know, Northern Colorado. And, you know, now every week there's people from, you know, Louisiana and Alaska. It is, it has been interesting, uh, to see. And because of that, I now on our safe land days, because of the time change, 
get calls from Louisiana at like 6 a.m. while I'm at the gym every morning because the phones transfer to my cell phone okay. before hours. And so pe- because of the people are confused with the time change. But yes, I am getting constant. We have so many students that we're able to reach now because of online safety. Yeah, and I think yeah. I- I've always been a firm believer of automate what you can uh, so that yeah. people are doing what can't be automated. Um, and I feel like even with software, you know, use software to, uh, do, to solve problems that software can solve so that safety professionals can get to know the culture so that safety professionals can actually build relationships, which software can't build those relationships. You know, online training can't build that rapport between the safety director and somebody on the field to get them to feel comfortable and psychologically safe enough to actually come to them with you know, hazards that they see. So I think both of, it's been interesting to see both companies. Uh, I think people are more aware of the need for solid virtual training as well as software, because they realize we have to have our people doing what people can only do and software cannot do. So, um, Tom, I'd love to kind of, you know, bring, start to kind of bring this to a close just by you telling us a little bit more of the, you know, the backstory of Sospice, um, and kind of a quick version and then, you know, sharing some of what you're currently doing. You know, we've talked about the software, but go a little bit deeper into what you're doing to help safety professionals around the country. Sure. So part of I, th- I think a, a hugely important formative uh, experience that I had years ago before I became a software guy was I was a finance guy in some fairly large companies, and and I found it I found it constantly frustrating when I was in a position of having to buy enterprise grade software, be- because it tended to be expensive. It, it took a long time to implement, and it took a long time to teach people how to use it. So we're talking about you know enterprise resource, you know, ERP systems uh, and big accounting systems and planning systems and that sort of thing. So one of the things that formed, formed that I, one of the things that I wanted to do and that drove me into particularly the, the environmental health and safety space was, was the belief that people would do really, really well if they had that kind of enterprise power at their command but in a package that was was easy to implement and readily and easy to use. And, and it turns out that when you do that, when you do that, not only do you make the make the safety professional look good because you provide a lot of leverage for their skills and knowledge, but you make the company very the, uh, the our customers very successful because rather than waiting a year to try to get the system up and running and get some payback, our customers typically have repaid their first year in nine months. But it's because we're not trying to do everything all at one time. You have to recognize where companies are in their maturity and their ability to absorb new process or changes in existing processes and systems and meet them there. And then from there, we can grow together. So that's so what, one of the things that you asked about what we're doing around the country right now, we've we've gotten we've gotten a lot smarter about how we I, how how we help our customers recognize where they are, working with them, 
and creating metrics so they understand not only where they are, but how do they get to the next step um, easily uh, with the platform that we provide them. Which I think is hugely important. And yeah, that's a thinking about enterprise level software. Uh, there's not too many enterprise level companies. Um, you know, when you look at all of the businesses around the country, um, not too many are truly in that enterprise level uh, of being able to afford software or even being able to implement it. So I think, you know, that that's powerful to kind of recognize that and be able to fill that need. Apollonia, similarly, you know, for those that might be new to the podcast, uh, share a little bit of kind of about your backstory and how that has gotten you to the place now where, you know, what are you doing What's your company and your team doing to help safety programs and self safety professionals around the country? Yeah. Um, one quick comment on Tom's story there. That is exactly why True Safety has partnered with Sospis was because for once, I've, I had demoed a ton of EHS softwares because, like I said, I was a strong believer in, in it, and I knew that technology is the future. But wh what Tom exactly just said there is when I first met him, he completely understood my problems as a safety professional. I never was able to showcase what I was up to as, a, as an in-house safety person or even as a consultant. I, I was never able to showcase my safety program. I was never able to bring it to C-suite. I was never able, able to bring it to the owner. I was never able to share it even with the team. This is what I'm doing, and I needed to feel validated as a safety professional because everything was in my mind. The pulse of the safety program was always in my mind, and I always thought, like, how can I show the story and the progress. Like Tom said, where are we even at in the year? Where were we at today than we were last year? And that is near impossible to have a pulse on or to even show to the company um, without a software system that people are actually utilizing. And um, so you could show the statistics. So I needed to put point that out there is, you know, to actually have somebody that really understands the safety professionals problems and then Tom build a software around it. So yeah. it's a, it's a beautiful, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful relationship there. But, um, my backstory on how I got into safety was my, my, uh, Dad was in oil and gas, and it was my first funeral that I attended was his buddy who died on an oil rig. And I was in the third grade when this, uh, my dad's friend, his son, had, uh, was in the third grade with me. So it had always dawned on me that my dad could go to work and not make it home. And I always say that that's not when I knew that I was going to be a safety professional by any means when I was in third grade, but I just knew my dad could go to work and not make it home safely. So I was just very curious on oil and gas industry, construction industry. How do people go to work and not make it home? And so um, I was an in-house safety director for a construction oil and gas company, and I just saw... I saw how safety was done the wrong way, which was maybe on the training side, 
um, death by PowerPoint or on the consulting side where a safety professional was disconnected with operations and it was safety program, safety professional and ops and they hated each other. And mainly it was the ops that hated safety because normally the safety person was a safety cop and there just was no relationship there. So I learned that safety is about people and all it takes is a safety professional to listen and to be truly curious about what's going on in the field. And that's how even software is brought into this piece too, is that when you're software does software, like you said, Seth, and online training is great, but it's, and and that'll take care of itself, but the people piece of it all is, is behind it. And so when they're, is no connection with the company and there isn't somebody driving safety that has good intentions, that's curious about what's going on in the field. Um, I think that there could be a disconnect always. So you just have to come at it with a genuine approach of just really caring about the guys and girls in the field. Did you see that, Tom? I mean, did you recognize that right off the bat that there was this (laughs) there was this obvious disconnect between safety and operations and why is there tension and why do they hate each other? Did you notice that? Yeah, we did. What I noticed, what I noticed in the early days was even if they didn't hate each other, they, they just, they weren't very well connected. Mm -hmm. I mean, operations were, the different functions were so siloed Mm -hmm. because I think, and part of the problem was in the early days, in the early days, at least my early exposure, was there was an awful lot of that safety cop mentality. Yeah. And it's not, it's not really, that's not helpful. I mean, most of the, what I like about what I've seen in the last 10 years is there's been, a, there's been an increasing number of people, you know, men and women, graduating degree programs in EHS. Mm-hmm. And when those when those folks come in with not only that education but also the experience that they get over time, then that that becomes a pretty powerful uh, culmination. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's I, I think that the if there's anything missing in that experience level, it's this it's this it's this um, empathy, I guess, towards the production side yeah. and recognizing, you know. They want to be safe, but they're also getting incented for production. You're a hundred percent right. Yes, yes. And so you better find a way to balance those two. The, the the good thing, I think, the good thing in that situation is that there's an awful lot of there's an awful lot of ways that safety um, can actually help production. Yes. You know, oh. Just because. Just because it's safe doesn't mean it's slow. Oh my goodness! <laughs> You're exactly right, and. I love where you're going with this. <clears throat> maybe maybe they didn't hate each other, uh, safety and operations, but they were just disconnected. And I think that's why I think that's why I'm so excited about software is because not only was I the safety professional that was working tirelessly on a program that I couldn't showcase to the world, that was that was one problem, but one thing was since the field guys couldn't see guys or girls couldn't see what I was up to there's where that maybe connection was lost on what is safety Mm -hmm. doing to help me. And so what, 
what I'm excited about software is that everything that I'm working on, when there's an incident, for an example, or there's a near miss, let's say, let's say there's a near miss, there's a hazard. I'm not just telling Johnny in the shop that I'm working on it and he doesn't see the, and he's just like, okay, what, what does that even mean? What the hell does that even mean? You're working on it. I don't hear from you maybe about the next <laughs> safety meeting. And then, and then he doesn't see me for a few months or so with software. He doesn't see that I'm, I'm researching what he was wanting, uh, the, the right PPE. And then I'm trying to get that, um, approved through owners or through management that there's, there's all this behind the scenes stuff with the software. He's able to see, okay, my hazard, he's able to track his hazard. Am I right? All right. Here are the steps that Apollonia or that safety is taking to, to mitigate this hazard that I brought up with. One of the things that I love talking with you about is, um, that hazard feature, the near miss or, or hazards feature with the software is that there, uh, if a field employee finally reports a hazard and it goes on in their mind on deaf ears, they're going to be like, I'm never going to do this again. This is where right. I feel like I've worked with so many companies that the momentum is lost. They're they're starting a near miss program. Everyone submit five near misses a month. Everyone's all jazzed up. Everyone except the ops team. And then the few guys that actually do it, their momentum goes out the door because they're like, I filled out my five near misses, got my gift card for it, and nothing ever happened from it. Like I was rewarded one time at the safety meeting and then I don't even know. These are piled up on the safety person's desk for all I'm concerned. And they're maybe looking at them, maybe not. So when they're actually, can you talk a little bit about that? Is that, um, you know. I think I think you're absolutely right. And one of the, and people have written a lot about, about some of the issues with creating mandatory near miss reporting <laughs> yeah. and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. What one of the problems I think I think that sets up is a uh, it said I think you see a lot more exercises in creative writing at some point than you do actual serious near miss reporting. <laughs> You're so right. Yeah. Yes. But, but but one of the things that does help is the observation reporting because by kind of watching it isn't hard to identify hazards to identify safe behavior that needs to be, you know, rewarded or acknowledged and, and so forth. And, and one of the, I think the difference, I, I think a lot of people rush to, to implement an observation or near miss reporting program, but, but you can't do that in just a vacuum. If all you're going to do is just run out to everybody this month and say, okay, everybody has to report three observations a month and we'll be happy. Well, th there needs to be context. There needs to be support for why you're doing that. There needs to be follow-up. There needs to be feedback yeah. that the employees see it happening. And and so what happens over time when you do that right, it's it becomes a component of, of a cultural shift, um, an organizational shift that starts moving from we're, we're on our own out here to if we all work together, we can make a safer, more productive workplace, and that those those take time. I mean, it's like any kind of a it's like any kind of a growing process. Mm -hmm. it, it takes time. It takes practice. Mm -hmm. It takes constant uh, constant uh, reinforcement. And, and when, but when you do it right, what, what the thing that we see, and again, this is something that we have 
hard data to prove. When you do it right, those changes actually start taking roots and, and you see the impact in reduced uh, loss causes, costs. Absolutely. So. And I, th I like what you said. The consistency is what I'm hearing. When you're consistent, and I feel when you're consistent with hazard recognition, when you're consistent with follow-up and with that type of feedback um, from the field and from the safety team or committee, and that is constant and it's consistent, then it starts to build what your what, what the dream is is that team mentality. And you know what? I never thought about this until right now. But one of my biggest struggles um, as a safety professional has been uh, the consistency and the follow up through a new program or even an existing program. But like we just mm -hmm. talked about, the near miss program. Everyone's all excited. Maybe the owners or the managers or the safety committee. They're excited, but when they don't, but when the field team, like you said, they don't see the same level of feedback from their, from their input or, you know, it kind of drops off and it loses that momentum. Same thing with audits, you know? So I think that, um, what that's one, that's kind of like one aha for me is that software to me really just brings together operations and the safety committee or the, or the sole safety person, um, by keeping that communication alive and consistent. So I, yeah, mm -hmm. I absolutely love that. And what about the audit piece? And so when there's an audit, obviously the employees are able to see the follow-up, right? All of the out of compliance issues, are the employees able to see exactly where we at with, um, closing out the action items? So that becomes a that becomes those become personal choices on the part of the company and how they are where they are in their maturity stage. But I would say generally good programs, absolutely. If somebody is aware, because in, at least in our system, when you create a failure, you know, a, a, an unacceptable condition in an audit, yeah. it, it creates a task. So it's the same as any other kind of task. It gets followed up and eventually resolved. And we can, do, you know, people choose to document that stuff or not, depending on, on what it is. Awesome. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I love it. Do you mean, do you have any other final thoughts, Tom? I feel like, I feel like that was the big aha was the oh. connection piece, but. I would just say that we're um, we're excited about our new formal formalizing our partnership, and yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to working with you, Apple. Absolutely, you and your team. Yep, I'm excited to finalize it. Like we've talked, we've been part yeah partners, you know, before this, but actually making it official. I am so excited, and there will be more. We'd love to hear feedback. I mean, if there's comment below, if you have any questions. Um, any comments, we'll absolutely get back with you and we will be continuing on with this podcast um, time and time again, because I love our conversations, Tom. So thank you. And I think we just, yeah. Thank you. Sorry, it's always a pleasure, Avalona. Awesome. All right. Well, I guess we'll talk with you next time. Thank you for listening to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell. If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you. Head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team, where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program, and we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow. 
Again, that is truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode.